Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Tom Tavar, CEO and co-founder of AppDome, a mobile DevSecOps platform that's raised over $26 million in funding. Tom, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, Brett. Really excited to be here. No problem. So to kick things off, could we just throw a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Yeah. So as you said, my name's Tom. I'm the co-creator of a product called AppDome. We automate the defense of cyber protections inside mobile applications for world's leading mobile apps. We're on a mission to protect every mobile app in the world. I actually started my career, don't get freaked out or anything, but I started my career off as a lawyer. Ugh. And then, uh, you know, fell in love with technology, taught myself to code, taught myself to hack and found my way here over at AppDome. So it's been pretty, pretty interesting journey for sure. Yeah. I was looking at your LinkedIn prior to the interview and I saw that you were a lawyer from 94, 2000 there in Silicon Valley. So that must've been a pretty fascinating time to be in law. Can you tell us you know, from your perspective, what was going on in Silicon Valley in that, in that time period? Oh, it was a, it was definitely, they call it the boom years for sure. I mean, it was such an explosion of entrepreneurial energy and excitement and, you know, so much kind of being innovated in terms of business models and, you know, not just that, but corporate structures and funding structures and all that. And so, you know, I kind of really loved it. I was right in the center of it. I got to meet some really amazing people, got to understand the venture community, what it means to take a company public, well, you know, hundreds of times over and just immerse myself in all kinds of technologies, everything from consumer facing tech to networking tech. And, you know, I just, you really can't say enough about being in such a high paced, high, fast moving environment like that. You just learn so much. You just kind of have to, I don't know, surrender yourself to the moment and just kind of go with it and grab as much experience as you can. It was it was an amazing time for me. It really was. Was that hard to leave that legal career behind to go into tech and start your own companies? Uh, you know, it's a great question. I don't know. I mean, my joke was always that I wasn't really a great lawyer. Ha ha. You know, I think when all of us, when we get to a certain point that we, we've done something enough and we feel like we've mastered it enough, like we can never say that we truly master anything because it's all a journey and we, there's so much to learn in life. But, you know, for me, I got to a point where I did the stats on myself, like I'd done so many IPOs, so many venture financings, represented so many companies, et cetera, that I wanted something new. And this opportunity came along to join a company called NetScreen, and it was a firewall company. And I didn't know anything about firewalls or anything about security. And I just really wanted to learn that side of the house. And so I jumped and I went there and I was a, one of the early employees at that company and ended up being, you know, one of the top three executives at the company. And it grew very, very fast. We ultimately sold it for like $5 billion to Juniper Networks or something. So it was like a win in every way possible, you know? So I always loved the law. I still love the law. I don't necessarily miss the practice of law, but you still find ways to use all of us do. We find ways to learn the things that we pick up along the way if we do it right in what we do every day. So I still use it from time to time for sure. 
Now, a few other questions we'd like to ask, and the goal here is to just really better understand what makes you tick as a founder. First one is what founder and CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? Oh man, I admire every single founder <laughs> out there. I mean, I meet them here at AppDome. You know, we we not only protect big companies, mobile apps, but young companies, mobile apps as well. People who are just launching their first application in fintech or insurance tech or health tech or even femtech or whatever. And I always tell them like, man, it's so cool to meet you and, you know, celebrate your journey. And I tell them all like, I honor you for what you're doing. And to be a founder of a company, I mean, you've got to really root yourself in optimism and the belief in what you're doing. And you've got to, you know, maximize every single moment of every single day to be successful. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a challenge with yourself. It's a challenge with your own biases. It's a challenge with your own energy, everything. And so I just admire anybody who's willing to pick up that flag and claim founder and go out there and try to make it on their own, you know, with and build a team and a whole industry and an economy around the things that they're doing. I just think it's it is probably the best gig in the world, honestly. I mean, it really is. So anyone that wants to pick up the flag, I, I don't know. I just, I celebrate you, honor you, thank you, you know, everything. I mean, it's just such a, such a rewarding journey for anybody. Amazing. I love it. And the founders listening in probably love to hear that as well. Now, what about books? And, you know, we like to frame this around this idea of a quick book. So this comes from an author named Ryan Holiday, and he defined a quick book as the book that like rocks you to your core and, and really influences how you approach life and, and how you think about the world. Do any quick books come to mind for you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I love mathematics. I love economics. I love things that give structure to thoughts and decision making. I mean, I myself started trying to apply mathematical concepts to startups and, you know, started writing a book called The Economics of Modern Leadership, in which I created math models to describe everything from morale to what each function in an organization is meant to be doing. It's a journey and I'm still in the process of doing it. But for me, books like, you know, Dan Ariely's, you know, Predictable Irrationality or Barry Schwartz's Paradox of Choice, you know, were the kinds of things that that really kind of opened my eyes to providing economic models for how we make decisions and what are the optimizing mechanisms that we can use to to live our lives or build companies. So I really like books that that try to apply mathematical or kind of reasoning constructs to everyday problems. You know, these are the things that tend to kind of to kind of get me going and get me get me thinking. Because, you know, if you're designing a product, you have to contend with these things. You have to contend with how people make choices. You know, simple books like, you know, why people the book why people buy. I mean, you know, understanding the nature of decision making of the human condition of what drives behavior and so forth that's so critical to being not just a product creator or a founder but being an, an executive and leader then you're always going to get it wrong or maybe you're always going to get it imperfectly right let's say but these kinds of notions kind of keep it all grounded and keep you centered and free from having to like feel too bad when you do get it imperfectly right <laughs> if that makes sense so yeah. Makes complete sense. Now to switch gears, let's dive a bit deeper into the company. So we can think about this like the elevator pitch, but what's that high level pitch and what's that high level problem that you're solving? Yeah. So the high level problem that we're solving is pretty straightforward. 
I mean, if we just sort of ponder how we live our lives today, you know, the vast majority of us spend 98% of our lives inside of our mobile experience, inside of one of somewhere between 18 to 24 apps that we use to manage, to live our lives, to share and invest and save and purchase and buy and explore and experience, et cetera. The world has definitely gone mobile overnight. You know, in, in when you talked about my time as as a lawyer, that world was known as digital. And we talked about the difference between digital natives and and digital immigrants. Well, now we talk about the world is mobile, right? Mobile natives and mobile immigrants. And some of us were both digital and mobile immigrants. So we've changed our association twice. But the world has definitely gone mobile. And as a result, you know, attackers and fraudsters have likewise gone mobile. And so the threats that we face today inside of a mobile experience, you know, have really outstretched the consumer's ability to protect themselves. So who's going to do that work? Who's going who's to solve that problem? And that responsibility has been shifted to the publisher and the developer of the mobile app, but they don't have resources. They don't have the skills to match what the hackers and attackers are doing. So enter AppDome. We solve the mobile app defense challenge by providing an automation platform to developers to essentially get any class of protection they want with a click of a button. So they use our platform to select the security or anti-fraud, anti-cheat, anti-malware, anti-bot features, whatever that they want. And when they issue an API command or click a button, a machine builds everything for them. So if you're a developer and a founder and you've got a mobile application and you don't have the resources or skills or cyber expertise to build all that yourself, or you just want to get done in 33 seconds or less, you come to AppDome and you use our product to achieve that outcome. And so I think we're solving lots of things. You know, we're solving time to market. We're solving, you know, ease of resources, improved delivery, consistency. And we're doing it in a dev way. We're doing it with the developer in mind, who is really the one charged with delivering these enhanced protections. Can you take us back to 2016? What was it about this problem that made you say, yep, that's it. Let's build a company around this. Uh, building apps myself. <laughs> I was building apps and I wanted to try to protect my code. And so I, I started like using kind of the free security services that were out there. And, you know, a lot of them come with SDKs or code samples or whatnot. It was just really, really difficult for me to utilize those tools. And along the way, I was griping about this with a friend of mine, a venture capitalist at Menlo Ventures named Binky Ganesan. And Binky said, hey, I've got a company you might want to talk to. So I met the founder, CTO, his name's Abi Huda. And I started telling him about my idea. And he was like, well, we don't do that today here, but we could. And I was like, what? And so we started talking and we spent like eight and a half hours together. And I said, my pitch back then, Brett, you'll laugh at me, was I want to make a vending machine. I want to make a vending machine for mobile app defense. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, like... I want to be able to get any protection with, you know, drop a quarter in, push a button and it'll pop out the bottom. Like that was my, my basic sketch of what I wanted to, what I wanted to build. People thought we were a little crazy, but Avi and I together made it work and we're approaching a billion mobile end users protected. And I'm just like, so ridiculously humbled that this company and the people here and took this idea of a vending machine for mobile app defense and we transformed it into a product. It's going to protect almost a billion people on the planet. And it's just like, wow, like that's just so crazy. But we saw the need, we saw the problem, but most importantly, we saw the way to architect this to make it work. 
And that's really what differentiates. So if you're going to be a founder out there, my advice is, yeah, find a big problem for sure that needs to be solved with trends that aren't going to end and all the things venture capitalists tell you to look for, but have something unique about your architecture, something unique about your technology that will give you staying power. And that's what we latched on to, and that's what we transformed into a product. The vending machine approach makes more sense now. I was you know, playing around earlier on your pricing page, and I saw you know, the drop down. you select the features that you want, and then it generates the pricing from there. So it sounds like you've still continued with that then. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the pricing page came much later. The product itself does exactly that. I mean, so you, you basically provide the system with a target application. Again, you configure the defenses that you need. And it's everything from encryption to jailbreaking root to obfuscation to, you know, overlay attacks and auto clickers and memory injection and all kinds of like esoteric, very sophisticated attack vectors. You basically choose the things that you want. And if you're using the GUI, you click a button or if you use the API connected to your CICD platform, you know, you just use Git or Jenkins or whatever. And those things issue the command, the build command. And we basically have a machine learning engine that codes everything and gives you back basically the the secured version of your application. And right now it's just a, it's a fully automated system and, you know, basically developers plug their CICD into it and they run jobs continuously all day long. And we, you know, monitor it, make sure it's up and running and add new things to it daily, basically. So it's really, really cool. I mean, it's not like if you're in cyber, like I was just presenting it to a, like a, group of pen testers today and they were telling me that it's slick and they thought it was really awesome and i was like all excited that they called my product slick and i was like yeah, that's so amazing <laughs> you know there's like someone who tells you, you have a cute dog you're like yeah my dog is cute you know like you get really <laughs> kind of personally charged up by it you know like yeah my product's slick you know i was pretty happy about it so <laughs> that's awesome now, who are the the typical customers or what's the customer base look like? Because if you're if you're reaching a million users that are protected, I'm guessing it's not just like a small independent developer with an app. It must be enterprise as well. Is that right? Yeah, it's mostly enterprise, mostly large publishers or developers, studios, you know, banks, retail, you know, things like that. So basically our typical user is is a development group within an enterprise or venture funded startup who's trying to deliver an application securely, consistently inside their DevOps pipeline. So, you know, these companies will typically have pen tests or what's called code scans or whatnot and be facing problems. You know, they can't remediate the things that the scanning solutions are finding. They don't have the skills. They're, they're not measuring up to whatever industry or regulatory or internal standard they have. And they're just struggling with it, you know, struggling to get it to work, struggling to make it stable, struggling to deliver it on time. And they're just looking for a better way and they're looking for a, an easier way, a more automated way to kind of get that done. So, yeah, I mean, we don't yet have a, an individual developer option, so we don't have that. I hope to by next year, mm -hmm. uh, this year, it's really and all prior years been focused squarely on kind of the enterprise developer who's building applications for either mass market consumers or the enterprise, you know, workforce, the you and me as employees or gig worker kind of use cases. So those are our customers.
This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. Take us back to the first couple of paying enterprise customers. That's obviously something that all founders struggle with getting across the line in the early days. What was that journey like for you? And, and what did you learn along that journey? Yeah, you know, the, use your network. I mean, that's my advice. Use your network, use your friends, you know, use your board, use your investors, use stand on a street corner if you have to. <laughs> I mean, you're a founder. So, you know, grind it out, grit it out. You know, you've got to... You've got to go do it. You know, show up at conferences, find people who are willing to take a look at your product. Yeah, first version of our product had perhaps like two protections on it. Now we have over 150 different choices on AppDome. But at the time, I mean, we only had a very small set of security features to offer. But, you know, you show your product off and you've gathered the feedback and you're going to miss several times before you get to that first customer you know, people are going to tell you it's not built right or it's awkward or they don't get it or you're not explaining it right or you put too much jargon in how you're describing what you're doing or whatever. You know, you try to overcomplicate it because you really want to show off your tech or whatever. You're going to go through all that. My advice is just don't ever tell yourself you're right. Just constantly try to refactor, reimagine, redescribe, create new narratives, you know, daily if you have to. You'll drive everybody around you nuts uh, because you're trying to change as fast as you're trying to change. But be like a musician, music, you know, songwriter who's trying to capture that perfect lyric about, you know, what love means, you know, like really, really, really push yourself to try to get the words out as simple as possible for your, for your customers. And then eventually someone will say, okay, I'll give it a try. And you know, celebrate that moment. And, you know, when you get your first customer into a POC and then realize it starts all over when you get customers into POCs because some of your POCs will fail. And then you've got to like go through that and learn from that until you get the one that buys. And then you're going to start that all over because not every customer is going to want to stay with you, whatever, until you get it right. Like it's going to be this constant evolution of learning. And you just really, 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 Brett, have to be like super dedicated to your cause and super humble and have near perfect humility because you're going to get knocked in the face like every freaking moment that you're trying to build something. Like it's just the world isn't going to understand you at first. And so, you know, there's this kind of funny movie. I don't know. It's called, you guys might know it. It's called The Hudsucker Proxy. You might want to look it up. But in that movie, there's an entrepreneur and he's creating the hula hoop. And so he goes around holding up a picture of a circle on a piece of paper <laughs> and telling people, pointing at the circle and saying, you know, for kids. And that's his pitch. Like, you know, for kids, it's just a circle on a piece of paper. Everyone's like, I don't get it. I don't know what it is. But it's a hula hoop. And, you know, the whole point is he makes a lot of money on the hula hoop. So, you know, <laughs> that's the way you're going to feel, <laughs> you know, for kids. Like, everyone's going to be like, no, nah, I don't get it until they get it. And then your company takes off and then. You know, you get to be on podcasts like this and people say, Tom, take me back to when you first, you know, you first went through it. Like, Brett, if you had interviewed me back then, man, I would have been like all depressed and like, well, man, you know, you know, we're still trying to figure it out and whatever. But yeah, 
fast forward to now and we don't have it all figured out. We still every day find things that when we look back on them or read them a second time, we're like, wow, that's dumb. Let's change that. And so I don't think that's ever going to end. And I think when you're trying to do good in the world and you're trying to create something that's never happened, you always try to make it better. And I think if we if we make our product better, then our customers will be better and the safety and security of everybody will be better. And that's a noble cause. And I like that. I like getting behind that. What about market category? So I introduced you as a mobile DevSecOps platform. Is that established or is that a category that you're creating? Yeah, definitely a category, a category that I would say we're we're creating. You know, even like the big guys like Gartner and Forrester and others, they hear what we do and they don't have a category. And there used to be this thing in venture capital land that would say, well, if you don't have a category, then you're in a bad spot. I disagree. I really, really, really disagree. I think you've got to be creating new categories. You've got to be breaking up old categories. Unless you're creating a Me Too, and there's nothing wrong with Me Too products. There's some really good ones out there. Anytime a big industry is created, rush to create that, fill up the void, because all industries need competition if there can be. But if you're first to market and you've got pole position on that market, you know, work like crazy to keep it and to define categories that suit what you do. It's going to be harder, but you know, I think the rewards are bigger when you kind of look back on it. So, you know, being a DevSecOps platform or what we call a cyber defense automation platform, those kinds of, that's a brand new category. No one's ever created anything like that. And, you know, we're just really, really, really proud to have pioneered this kind of new way of protecting the economy. And then to be honest, Brett, it's not that revolutionary. I mean, if you look at kind of the way dev teams work, DevOps is all about automating everything. So whether it's Git or Sauce Labs or, you know, whatever, like you've got tools to build, tools to test, tools to release, you know, tools to monitor, and all these things are interconnected with one another. So our instinct was, well, why can't you create the same platform for the cyber initiative inside that pipeline? The hard part was building it. Conceiving of it was not as hard. Building it, incredibly difficult. So yeah, I mean, always try to pioneer the category if you can. What types of tactics and, and strategies are you deploying to ensure that you maintain your status as category king? What I've seen happen to some companies is, you know, they end up, you know, creating a category, they push it out into market, and then someone comes in and it swoops it away from them and you know, they become the loudest voice in the room. So what are you yeah. doing to ensure that you maintain that leadership position within this category that you're creating? Yeah, listen to our customers at this point. Just listen to our customers, listen to our prospects, listen to the people that are using the product who want more out of it. You know, pay attention to how they use the product, where they get stuck using the product. My advice to every founder is plug yourself into the entire support infrastructure, support workflow. If you don't know every single support ticket that every single user ever raises in your product, like you're doing it wrong. Like if you're the product creator, you know, roll up your pants legs and get into the mud and pay attention to, you know, every point of friction that your users and are facing in utilizing your product or getting the most out of it. And I think, you know, you get to that point where you're not struggling as much to land your next account because eventually you'll hire salespeople and marketing people and they'll do the kind of intake where you really kind of in that next phase of evolution when you get to scale is really trying to help your customers maximize the value they get out of your product. You know, for every dollar they invest, 
you know, start thinking, how do I return more back to my customers for every dollar they're paying me? I might've had a 20 X return on investment going in, but each customer now should be getting a hundred X return on their dollar because I've got more functionality or I've removed points of friction or I've added new capabilities. You know, it's also a fun time because you can start just going to your customers and saying, you know, when you're scaling up is to say, Hey, that that's free. Go ahead and take that. Yeah. You've done, you've been so great to us this whole journey. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. Use that. That's fine. And so that's how you stay ahead is, is really listening to your customers, creating partners or, or honoring partnerships that you've had. Certainly those that have been around from the first get go and really kind of use those strategies at that time to really kind of move up the chain of value for them. And then I think that's how you stay ahead. As I mentioned there in the intro, you've raised over 26 million so far. I'm sure there's been a lot of lessons that you've learned along the way in, in raising that money. But if you had to choose one big takeaway, what would that be? Yeah, find investors who are who are true partners in your journey. We're blessed here at AppDome by having an amazing investor syndicate. They believe in AppDome. They believe in what we're doing. They've been with us through thick and thin, you know, COVID and and all of the things that came along with that. So really, if you are going to raise money from investors, you know, spend the extra time to make sure that they understand the vision of where you're going to take it and what good and bad might happen on the path to getting there. I just can't say enough about that. You know, everyone from our chairman, all Avery, all the way, you know, to Benke, who initially kind of talked with me about, you know, starting this journey to Tom over at, you know, Rally Ventures and others. I mean, you know, even back to some of the early investors out of Israel in JVP. I mean, we've just been really, really fortunate to have folks around the table who help us at every turn. So that that's the biggest thing. More important than valuation. The valuation is going to be important if you're a founder, but, you know, at some level, the market's going to kind of tell you what that is. You know, terms are going to be important. Haha, I used to be a lawyer doing that stuff. So yeah, your terms are going to be important. But really, really, really assess the quality of the investor and the commitment that they have to you as a founder and to the mission of the company. That's the number, the number one thing. And if you get a, you know, if any hairs, you know, raised on the back of your neck, like pay attention to them. I mean, you know, there's some great money out there, great investors. This market is filled with a bunch of amazing people that far outweigh the negative kind. And so your odds are good. Your odds are really, really good if you focus on that. And then the second piece, and probably the great place to close off on is, is have a noble purpose in what you're doing. You know, have something that your brother or sister or mother, or grandmother, or grandfather, whatever can get behind. You know, when you talk about your company and you talk about what you're trying to do, make sure you can put it in terms that everybody gets. You know, we're on a mission to protect every mobile application in the world and the people that use those for for their lives and work. You know, that's a pretty simple statement to get behind. Like, you're going to protect me and keep me safe as a user? Hey, that's great, AppDome. Keep doing what you're doing. And so one of my favorite things to do when I'm meeting an investor is ask them what applications do they have on their phone. And when they tell me what applications they have, I say, well, you're already, you're already one of our near 1 billion mobile end users protected. And I get a smile on my face and they get a smile on their face. So have something that everyone could get behind. And I think if you do that, you know, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit for you. Find the people who have that in your heart, have that in every layer of your company. You know, make sure your investors match up with that. 
and go ride the wave. It's out in front of you and you can do it. Now, let's just imagine if you were starting the company again today from scratch, totally clean slate, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Oh, that's funny. I mean, you know, when you build a company and just like building a life, you're going to have to make peace with the fact that you're not perfect and you're not going to get it all perfect. You're going to make mistakes and so forth. And companies like life have to be rooted in in a noble purpose. And I think I went through it the way I went through it. So there's no other way to go through it. <laughs> I don't think I could give myself. There are definitely things I would have done earlier and things I would have done later. But if I if I try to imagine a world where I would have, where I could change any of that, then it wouldn't be the experience that I had. And I guess the main thing would say is to is to take moments to be proud. That would be the main thing. You know, you work so hard and your head's down all the time that you don't necessarily pick your head up and and say to yourself, like, wow, we did that. And so make sure you take those moments and celebrate the little and big moments that happen, milestones you achieve. We joke and say, like, at Apto, we used to count the number of customers. And then once we got to a certain number of customers, we're like, yeah, but our customers have more than one app. So we should count the number of apps. So we started counting the number of apps. And then that got to the tens of thousands of apps. And then we're like, yeah, but those applications have all these users and people are using our service to monitor threats and attacks in real time. And so we have user data. So let's go counting users. So now we're counting users. And eventually users will, won't be the measure of the goodness that we're giving. And so we'll start to start measuring attacks and threats that we're stopping out in the world and then dollars saved and so forth and so on. So there's no end to the journey of figuring out you know, what good you can bring to the world if you really, if you really set your mind to it. So remember to take those moments and to celebrate, to celebrate that. And if you can, you know, find someone in your company every day to thank, you know, find somebody in your company every day to say, great job and thank you. And for that, and even if it's something small, like just, just do it, you know, and in the hustle and bustle of, of leading a company, sometimes we're not the best at that. So put little reminders to do that. And I think if you do these things, you're going to do great at it. And just don't be so hard on yourself and celebrate those moments every chance you get. Final question for you, Tom. Let's zoom out three to five years into the future. What's that big picture vision that you're building? You know, the world is going mobile. I mean, even, you know, you have things like the M1, M2 chip, you know, that are now on Apple laptops and stuff, and those run mobile apps. I think you're seeing mobile apps in cars now. You're seeing mobile apps in VR headsets. You're seeing mobile apps in television sets and so forth. So the platform that is mobile is going to continue to proliferate out into all of our existence. So I think, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot in front of us. We've got a lot of runway to solve some big pressing problems out there. I think we're going to keep doing what we're doing, try to stick to our knitting, try to continue to add new defenses, new protections, look out for new threats, continue to raise awareness within developer community about the need to protect applications more and better and and so forth, raise the bar. We've launched a new program where we're partnering with pen testing companies around the world to kind of improve the state of the art of mobile app defense around the world. So I'm really excited about what that has in store for us. And to be back more near term, if any of your listeners out there are going to be at Black Hat this year, please uh, join us for a VIP night of comedy at the Mandalay Bay at the House of Blues. We'll be having Howie Mandel and uh, Gina Yashir telling some really great jokes at a wonderful event on Wednesday night, August 9th. So we really want to be part of this community and we're doing our best to 
contribute. And so I think we're just going to keep doing that, Brett. I think that's really our mission. Amazing. Tom, I love the vision and really enjoyed this conversation. We are up on time, so we're going to have to wrap here. Before we do, if founders listening in want to follow along with your journey as you build and execute on this vision, where should they go? Yeah, well, they should go check out AppDome, um, you know, just AppDome.com. Um, I also, you know, obviously have a LinkedIn profile. You guys can find me on there. I'm the one with the dog <laughs> and the mountaineering uh, picture on my profile. But other than that, yeah, I mean, stay tuned for what we do. And if any of you need help protecting your mobile application, just reach out to me at Tom at AppDome.com. Really would love to hear from you. Amazing. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it again. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much, Brett. I really appreciate it. Hi, keep in touch. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 